Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts found within the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. We find ourselves, as we're starting the gospel record of Luke and starting this series, we usually want to start off with an introduction. In this case, we want to start off with an with a biography, a character study of the human penman of the gospel record of Luke. And so if you don't mind, a good place to see this would be in the gospel record of Acts, or not the gospel record, in the historical book of Acts, Acts in chapter number 16. Acts and chapter number 16, and we're going to find something innocuous. We're not going to find the words Dr. Luke. However, we're going to find something that actually points out to Dr. Luke in the book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and if you don't mind, notice with me starting at verse number 10. Acts 16 and verse number 10. The Bible says in Acts 16 in verse number 10, And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord hath called us to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to um, Samothraca, and the next day to Napolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And if you wouldn't mind, notice with me the use of the pronouns that we find in the book of Acts chapter 16, and verse number uh, 10 through um, 13 actually. Notice if you don't mind as we start off, we could see that immediately we endeavored. At the end of the verse, it said, called us. Verse number 11, we came with a straight course. At verse number 12, at the end, we were in that city. Verse number 13, and the Sabbath, we went out of the city by prayer. Now, why am I placing emphasis? Because here in Acts 16 is the very first time we see these personal pronouns start popping up, that me, we, and us. Before for this, the author of the book was just recording what he had heard, what he had picked up. But now, as we catch up in chapter number 16, the author of the book of Acts, which would be Dr. Luke, now joins Paul's missionary team, and he is now writing from his personal observation and personal experience rather than the experiences of others. And we pick this up just noticing here about Dr. Luke here, because he was a traveling companion with the apostles. Paul and a missionary. And I want to use this as a backdrop to go ahead and give a, a history lesson, a character study, a biography on Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke is what we're going to entitle this as we survey the gospel uh, writer of Luke, which would be Dr. Luke. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And Lord, as we come up to you today, I'm just asking that you would give us 
understanding and some history that we'd be able to put these things together to know something about the human penman and the person that you appointed, prepared, and set up to be the historian of your church, to be the historian of the life of Jesus. And we could see this brave man as he stuck with the Apostle Paul through his missionary journeys. I'm asking that we have a greater appreciation of this gospel writer and this historical person. And we love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now as we start off, just a little bit of background about Dr. Luke is that Dr. Luke actually started off, before he was a doctor, he started off as a slave inside of the Roman Empire. Remember during the days of Jesus and the days of Paul, 75% of the population of Rome were slaves. So slavery was common, slavery was part of the... uh, the condition of the Roman Empire. Of course, it's not something that we would promote, but it was something that historically happened. Now, Luke was a slave of the household of a man by the name of Theophilus. We'll learn more about Theophilus on Sunday morning in the important role, but Luke was a slave of the household of Theophilus. Now, Theophilus saw something in this slave that he had, and so he paid to have Luke go to medical school. And so Dr. Luke had the privilege of going to medical school and have it. He was a slave, but he went to medical school, was going to be able to use his abilities there. But once Luke became a born-again Christian, he came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior, he went and told his master about what happened to him, that he came to know Jesus Christ and his life was changed. And soon afterwards, Theophilus granted Luke his freedom. You're no longer a slave. You are now a free man. You're now able to follow God with whatever he wants. I want to hear about what God was going to do. And it was suggested that Luke and Paul had actually first met each other while they were studying in Tarsus. Luke was in medical school. Uh, Paul was studying something else, but they met in Tarsus. And uh, they, when Paul, Luke got saved, he sought out Paul and said, what can I do to follow after Christ? What can I do to be a help? Now with that, let's look at three different aspects of Luke's life and we can learn about him. First of all, I want to show you the historian. The historian. In imperial Rome, there was an accrediting college at Rome that supervised the licensing of medical doctors. It was called the Collegium um, um, Arcratorium, which is a nice full name. But he was actually a licensed physician throughout the Roman Empire. What does that mean? Well, being a doctor, that means you had to learn how to study. You had to learn how to process information, how to record information, put information down. And yet God was able to use his learning, his skills, the things that he learned in school to be able to be a researcher, an historian for the facts inside of the life of Christ. First of all, we see that he was a historian of Christ. Now, something interesting about Dr. Luke is that he was the only Gentile writer, human penman found within the Bible to write um, 
to actually write an entire book of the Bible. We know that Matthew, Matthew was actually one of Jesus' disciples. John Mark was someone who was influenced by Peter, and we could see his story early in Acts, but he was definitely a Hebrew person. John was an apostle of Jesus Christ. As you go on, of course, we have Paul, who was a Gentile, or a Jewish person. He was a Jewish of Jewish. He was a, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He came from the greatest stock. He was definitely a Hebrew person. As we go on, you have James, the half-brother of Jesus. Well, he was Jewish. You go to um, <coughs> Peter. Well, Peter was definitely Jewish. As you go back to the Old Testament, David, was he Jewish? Yes. Moses, yes. And so as we look through, only Dr. Luke was the only non-Hebrew writer of an entire book of the Bible. Now, that's pretty amazing within itself. And God was able to use this Gentile writer. Now, while Paul was imprisoned in Caesarea for two years, which was the Roman um, capital inside of the province of, of Palestine, Dr. Luke used that time to go find eyewitnesses and to interview them about what happened to Christ. He wasn't just going to rely on stories. He went and said, hey, John the Apostle, come here. Can I do an interview with you? And he interviewed John. He found Peter and said, Peter, what was it like to travel with Jesus? And he wrote it down. He found Mary, the mother of Christ. She's still alive. And he interviewed her. That's why in the gospel record of Luke, you could see different things, but Mary hid them in her heart. How would he know that? Because Mary told him. Oh, let me tell you about the time that we left Jesus behind in Jerusalem when he was 12 years old. I never forgot what happened that day. Luke, can I tell you what happened when the angel came and talked to me? What that was like? How else would he would have known? Mary's the one that told him. And so Luke got to interview all of these people. He got to interview um, Nicodemus. He got to interview uh, jo Joseph of Arimathea. He got to interview of all these people and be able to learn more about the life of Christ. Inside of the gospel record of Luke, he records six miracles of Jesus that no other gospel record does. So he has more different miracles than the other ones does. He records, Dr. Luke records 35 parables. 19 of those parables are only found inside of the gospel record of Luke. Where did he get that from? He did these interviews. Tell me about these things Jesus said. And he would write them down and record them. Here are some examples of some parables or some stories that were found only in the gospel record of Luke. The good Samaritan. The rich fool. The prodigal son, the rich steward, the rich man in Lazarus, the Pharisee and the publican. All of those are only found in the gospel record of Luke. And again, that was part of what he had learned to do. To gather information, to record it, to put them together in a way that others can understand. That God taught him how to be a nerd. Praise the Lord. And he used his studying skills to be able to use it for the cause of Christ. Praise the Lord. I could relate to someone like that. Dr. Luke also had a Pauline view of Calvary. What does that mean? Well, he hung out with the Apostle Paul quite a bit, so he started to pick up the Apostle Paul's vocabulary. For example, Luke often used words like grace. 
He used the words salvation. He often used the word savior. Those are the words that Paul would often use. And again, Dr. Luke was a traveling companion of Paul. And so you could see that influence of Paul found throughout the gospel record of Luke. Now, not only was Luke um, a historian of Christ... Luke was also historian of the church. Now Luke actually traveled with Paul for much of his missionary journeys and for Paul's imprisonment. That's why we looked in Acts chapter 6 where we could see the personal pronouns starting picking up. That we went to go. That he called us. Therefore we came uh, to with a straight course. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went... Luke is now included. He's traveling with Paul and he's giving a first-hand experience. What was it like to travel with the Apostle Paul? Well, he was there to record and uh, show what happened. He gives a first-hand account of the activities in the book of Acts. Now, why is this important? Well, the books of, book of Acts is an essential link that between the gospel records and the epistles. If you did not have the, uh, the book of Acts, you would have the four gospel records which are still written in the Old Testament economy. We have to understand that. That the Old Testament economy all goes until Jesus dies and rose again. But then if you go to the next book of the Bible, which is Romans, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and so on, there's a drastic difference between how they did things in the gospel records to how they did it in the Christian church epistles. Well, the book of Acts bridges that gap and helps explain what happens. So again, if you didn't have the book of Acts, this is what you would happen. Jesus Christ died, rose again, told people to go preach the world. Now you go ahead and start the uh, church epistles. This is how we have church. Well, wait a second. How did we get from there to there? Well, the book of Acts gives that essential link, that, that guide to help us to understand how we got from the 12 disciples to having churches operating around the world. That comes from the book of Acts, which again was, came from Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke carries the story of Acts in three different movements. We start off with the founding emphasis of the church. So Acts starts off just putting the emphasis of how the church was founded. Then it moves in the middle of it, the forward emphasis of the church. How the church is moving forward. How it's now spreading out. And then the foreign emphasis of the church. That how the church is reaching the world. Remember in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus Christ had told the apostles that he said, beginning at Jerusalem, that we're supposed to preach the gospel, and then to Judea, then to Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. The book of Acts follows that same outline, that they start at Jerusalem, and then the church begins to move forward to the rest of Judea. Then in Acts, you find in Acts chapter 8, they go into Samaria. And then finally with the Apostle Paul, they're starting churches around the world. And Dr. Luke records this that happened. So we start off by explaining more about Dr. Luke, that he was a historian, that God had prepared him to be able to use his skills to research, to interview, and to put together research papers. Those things that you hated to do in school, 
That's what the gospel record of Luke is. That's what the book of Acts are. And they're research papers. In fact, how do I know the research papers? Both the gospel record of Luke and the book of Acts is not written to a church. It's not written to a group of people. It's written to one person. Theophilus. Theophilus. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. Let me tell you about Christ. The things that I want to set into order. That's in the gospel record of Luke chapter 1. Theophilus, I'm writing these things to set these things in order. It's a research paper. He said, I want to tell you what Jesus did in my life. And let me tell you about the Christ. That's where I have to start off with. And then he goes into Acts, which is the continuation. He writes a brand new letter. Theophilus, I told you about Christ. Now Theophilus, let me tell you what happened after Christ. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit did in helping these churches be founded. And by the way, I was there. Let me tell you what I've been doing since I've left you. What a great thing. It's a research paper written to an individual to try to let him know more about what's happening. Now with this, we also see Dr. Luke the helper. We could see Dr. Luke the helper. Now imagine all the troubles and tribulations that Paul had endured. Paul had been beaten. He had been battered. He had been abused. He had been left. He had been shipwrecked. He had been messed up. After taking the beatings that he had and still being in a body, he needed a full-time physician to travel with him. Well, wouldn't you know that God had allowed someone to go to medical school and get saved and want to join the ministry? And Dr. Luke or, was available when Paul needed a doctor? How do you think Paul was able to go to town to town? He had a doctor traveling with him. Helping his back. Helping him go on. Taking care of him. Keeping him from dying. That was Dr. Luke. He was a help. It was a ministry of helps. By the way, I appreciate ministry or missionary teams. I think it's something we've gotten away with. Paul had a great missionary team. And that's one of the reasons they were able to go into a place and start a church and have it operating and training in just a matter of months to years. Whereas where you have one couple trying to do it by themselves, it takes a while to get it started and get it foundation. Here, Dr. Luke, he had Timothy, he had Titus, he had John Mark for a while, he had Silas, he had Dr. Luke, he had Aquila, he had a Priscilla, he had other people. And they went as a missionary team wherever they went. And Dr. Luke's job, he said, I'm not the preacher, I'm not there, I'm just a soul winner, I can tell people about Jesus. But my job is to keep Paul and to keep him healthy and to keep him going. Praise the Lord for that ministry of helps that helps the preacher continue to move forward. That's what he was to allow Dr. Luke to go on physically to be able to survive. So we started off by talking about Dr. Luke the historian. That he recorded the history of Christ. He recorded the history of the church. We also saw that he was a helper. He was there to help Apostle Paul. And continue to let Paul move forward. Then we come to Dr. Luke the hero. He was a hero. Now when the Apostle Paul appealed to Caesar... Paul was confident that he would receive a fair trial since he was a Roman citizen. Now, Paul had been arrested and falsely accused by the Hebrew people. And when he realized that he wasn't getting out of prison unless he paid, paid a bribe, he didn't want to pay a bribe. So he said, listen, I appeal to Caesar. I'm a Roman citizen. I have the right to go to 
uh, to Caesar and allow him to rule. Now, there was a rule, a thing that said if someone brought a false case to Caesar, they were going to be killed. So if you were accusing someone falsely and it was found out, you're going to be killed. So that's why Paul was waiting in Rome for such a long time. The Hebrew people didn't want to show up and falsely accuse Paul. So Paul was like, I, I know my charges are going to be dismissed. I'm just waiting for him to be dismissed. And so he stayed there in Rome for a while. Uh, Nero seemed to be a good emperor. So finally we got a good emperor. Someone who's got a level head. Someone who's not crazy. Not like Coigula and not like these other people. Nero looks to be a good guy. So uh, Paul said, you know what? I could get a good hearing. I could get this wiped away. I could get back in the mission field. It's just going to take some time. Now, the first five years of Nero's reign, he did look like a good emperor because he had the influence of his uh, tutor, Seneca, and he was um, also protected by his prefect of the, uh, of the Praetorian Guard, the guard who guarded the C Caesar, Africanus Bruinus. Now, Sicanicus was a Stoic philosopher who was his Nero's tutor. And he tried to teach Nero how to be good. He tried to teach Nero how to be fair. He tried to teach Nero how to be wise. And as long as Seneca was there, Nero obeyed. But you know, Nero had something inside of him that was waiting to get out. We'll get to that in a second. Now, Paul was kept under house arrest for two years in Rome. During that time, the Sanhedrin's case was allowed to run out. The time was run out. And because they didn't want to go give false punishments, they didn't show up. So they brought Paul into Caesar with no accusers. Paul was able to give his testimony. So Nero heard the gospel. Paul went in and said, let me tell you how I came to know Christ. There was a time that I was on the road to Damascus and Jesus met me right there on the road and I saw him and he changed my life. And I want to let him know he could change your life. Nero probably said, that's wonderful. That's good. Okay, good. And then just release Paul. So Paul's now free. This is great. In the meanwhile, Nero went crazy. He said, you know, I kind of want to do whatever I want. So I can't do it as long as I have this tutor breathing down my neck. So he killed his teacher. That was nice of him. Then he allowed his guard who watched over him and was a moral conscious. He allowed his guard to, uh, to die and didn't replace him. And then he tried to kill his mother like three times. His mother was a bad person anyways, but he, he couldn't, wanted out of her shadow. And then Nero, without any safeguards, showed the world who he truly was. Nero imagined himself as a great director. So what Nero did is he burnt down the city of Rome, the city he's ruling over, he burnt it down. And he stood and imagined the backdrop of fire and imagined a great play that he was orchestrating. Well, the next morning after the fires are out and the people are quite mad that their city is burnt down, they're looking for someone to blame. Well, Nero doesn't want to be the one that's caught. So he remembered, I talked to this Paul guy. And Paul is one of those Christian people. And the wonderful thing about Christian people is that they don't have a home country. They don't belong to a country. There's no one that claims them. Hey, and our people kind of hear bad things about them. Did you know that Christians like to drink blood? They must be vampires. Hey, did you know that Christians, they eat the body 
of their, their founder. They're cannibals. All these Christians are awful people. And so what Nero did is he blamed the Christians and said they were the ones that set the fire to Rome. Well, the people want to blame someone. And so if Nero, their emperor, says, hey, the Christians did it, guess what? Let's kill the Christians. And so Paul's, uh, Nero said, hey, I remember that Paul guy. He's the leader of the Christians. I know. Let me put him to death. So that way the people get their justice. Someone died for burning down Rome. Let me go arrest Paul. And so they arrested Paul. Now, Paul beforehand was under house arrest. He was in a house. He did have a Roman guard connected to him at all times, handcuffed to him all the time. But he, he had visitors come in and he had a nice house, or a small house, but it was a house. It wasn't a jail cell. The second time, he was thrown in the jail tent cell. He was thrown in the dungeon called the Maritime Prison. And in the Maritime Prison, they had the regular prison. And then underneath it, they had the dungeon. In the dungeon, they had the muck and the mire. They had all kinds of filth in there. And to make things worse, the prisoners had to sit down in the muck and the mire. And their legs were straight. And their legs were manacled so that way they couldn't stand up. That means that all whatever mud or whatever that substance is around you, you can't get up. In addition, rats, you can't get away from them. You can't get up and run. If they want to crawl around you, that's what happens. And there's no lights. And not like the state prisons do today, they don't feed you. If you're going to eat, someone has to bring you food. Now, the problem is, is they're hunting Christians, right? Who are the only ones that are going to help Paul? Christians? So do you think there were Christians lining up to go help Paul? No. In fact, Christians abandoned Paul. There were some that said, I knew that Paul was no good. See, I told you. Nope, I'm not associated with Paul. And Paul was lost with friends. There was no one left except for one. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of 2 Timothy the book of 2 Timothy, and let's see what Paul says. The book of 2 Timothy is the last book that Paul penned. He knows that he is about ready to die. He knows that, that he's fixing to take a shortcut to glory. He's going to be beheaded soon. And so Paul is writing this, and as he's writing to Timothy, who is actually pastoring in the, in the uh, city of Ephesus, this letter gets to Timothy. And this is what Paul says in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy in chapter number 4, notice what it says in verse number 10. Um, verse number 9. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, Do thy diligence to come to me shortly. So Timothy, I want you to hurry up and come. Time's short. Come on. Verse number 10. Why do I want you to come? For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed into Thessalonica, Cressus to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. He says, listen, these other guys are gone. They're not helping me. Notice in verse number 11, only Luke is with me. When he's writing this, he says, the only person that stood by my side, the only person that's hanging out with me is Dr. Luke. 
Now, again, Dr. Luke is trying to treat Paul. He's his personal physician. He's trying to treat his wounds. He's trying to put salve around the, the bindings where it's rubbing raw. He's making sure that Paul has food. Luke is being a hero here because he could be arrested as a Christian and be executed himself. But he is dedicating and risking his life to take care of Paul because he understands how important Paul is. He's there trying to support him. When he goes grocery shopping, the only way that Paul ate is when Luke brought something to him. The only way he got medical care is if Luke took care of him. The only time that he had visitors and someone to talk to was when Luke was there. And Luke was a great hero during this time. Now, why is this so important? Well, because we see that the Apostle Paul, he was the preacher. He was the leader. Dr. Luke wasn't the preacher. Of course, he could go soul winning. But his job was to support his preacher. Paul's my preacher. What can I do to support him? And we understand that different people are given different skills. Dr. Luke was given the skill how to be a medical doctor, how to research, and he used those for the Lord. He had his ability to be a medical doctor and he used it to take care of his preacher. Now God gives us all different abilities. He gives us all different skills. Can you use those for the Lord? Can you use those to help this local church move forward? Different people have different things. You don't have to be a preacher to be a help in the ministry. You could be someone who says, I don't like to teach Sunday school, but I could run a sound booth. Praise the Lord. We got people that said, well, I can't do much. Well, can you pass out a track? Can you pass out a John and Romans? Can you invite people? Absolutely. There's something that everyone can do. In fact, your greatest ability is your availability. The best thing you could do is make yourself available. You could do something simple like, Lord, I don't know what you could do with me, but if there's something you can do with me, please use me. By the way, God will. Someone said that God is so hard up for volunteers, he'll even take you. That as long as you make yourself available, God wants to use you. So the question I want to give you tonight is we start off the gospel record of Luke. The only reason why we have the gospel record of Luke in the book of Acts is because some person wrote a letter to another person. A personal letter. Can you write a letter? Can you write a card? Can you encourage someone? That's all this is. Someone wrote a letter to encourage. Can you write? Can you be an encouragement? What can you give to the Lord to use? What abilities and skills? There may be something that you don't even know that you can do yet. That's undiscovered that God would love to show you. But the first step is to make yourself available. Something simple like this. Lord, use me. I don't know what I can be used for. But I trust that you can find some way to use me. And it doesn't matter who you are. Remember, Jesus was able to take a little lad with two loaves and a couple fishes, or two couple fishes and a couple loaves, to feed 5,000 men, 13,000 people. He just made himself available. What can you do to make yourself available to be used? 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.